This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, July 31st, 2015. I'm Caleb Brown. The choices we make determine a large share of who we become, but making better choices could be as simple and as challenging as cultivating our willpower. John Tierney is a columnist at the New York Times and co-author of Willpower, Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength. We spoke this week during Cato University. I went to the University of Louisville. Our basketball coach, Rick Pitino, is, is famous for saying, I try to get all of my difficult tasks and decisions out of the way first thing in the morning. And uh, what does the research tell us about decision-making and uh, the f- impact that it has on us as people? Um, that's a great strategy. I mean, and it's no coincidence, I think, that a lot of the political scandals we see and a lot of the, the bad stuff that uh, goes on in people's lives happens at night. You know? I mean, it's, they say nothing good happens after midnight. Um, because what happens is they found that the old Victorian concept of willpower, um, it, it's more than a metaphor, that there really is this source of mental energy that you draw on to make decisions, to resist temptations. And that as you make decisions, as you resist temptations, as you exert self-control during the day, you deplete that source of willpower. And so as the day goes on, uh, you have less willpower to deal with things. And so what happens, uh, there's some fascinating studies with um, judges on a parole board where uh, they had to make a decision whether to let prisoners get parole or not. And the harder decision is to let someone go because then you're taking a risk and where it's easier to leave him in prison and, and go with the status quo. And and just like Rick Pitino, they made their best decisions in the morning, that if a prisoner showed up first thing in the morning when the judges were fresh, he had a much, much better chance of getting parole than if he came up in the afternoon because by then they were depleted and they weren't ready to make a tough decision, so they would just duck it basically and, and, uh, and duck the decision. And that's what we tend to do. So serious consideration is is given more in the morning, right? Because you have more energy to you know to deal with it and and to make that decision. Um, you know, after I, I I turned in my piece on decision fatigue at, at the New York Times magazine, I mean, it was drawn from my book Willpower. Uh, the um, editors read it and they said, we're not having any more meetings after three in the afternoon because we're just depleted. And I think that, you know, I wouldn't, you know, make no big decisions late in the day. I think that's a great strategy. And, uh, and, and if you have to make it, the other thing you can do is eat before you do it. Because when they, in this research on willpower, they found that it is this form of mental energy and it's powered by glucose. And so, in fact, in this study with the judges, they found that, you know, they would get depleted as the day went on, but there were a couple spikes right after the morning snack and right after lunch when their willpower went back up. And at those moments, the prisoner had a better chance of getting parole. But then they'd get tired again, and then and the odds went down. You've also written about uh, specifically decision fatigue uh, as, as, a, as a more narrow concept. Um, and if I understand uh, your uh, discussion of the research correctly, it is the moment of the decision that is most fatiguing. Right. They, uh, um, a behavioral scientist, when they, when they talk about this, they talk about the Rubicon phases of decision-making, where you're on one side of the Rubicon and you're gathering the information to make the decision, then you're crossing it, that's the decision, and then there's the post-decision phase, as they say. And they did some tests, you know, experiments where people had to choose stuff for a computer to buy, you, to, you know, what kind of hard drive, what kind of this. And then and some people would just kind of assemble all the things. Some people would, would, you know, do the research. Some people would make it. And they found that it really is, it's that one phase when you actually have to pull the trigger to make the decision. And it's tough, you know, the, the um, 
the root for decision for decide comes from the same word as kill. You know, because you're killing an option when you do that, and we hate to do that. So we tend to like to keep you know options open, and 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 we'll try to avoid that if we can. Now my imagination runs wild when I hear about new research, like uh, when we have new research about how people in certain countries are so much happier than <laughs> Americans. And then when I imagine the political classes uh, here in D.C. say, you know what we could do? We could design policies around that that require you to behave in a certain way to maximize happiness or to maximize uh, willpower and minimize decision fatigue. So I'm very concerned about what the public policy implications might be of uh, knowing that if you force people to answer a bunch of questions before they make a decision, that the, that they might make a, a less considered decision. Well, that's a great concern because you can imagine that the political instinct is, we'll make the decision for you so you don't have to have any fatigue. And there is this, you know, this whole idea of nudge that Cass Sunstein has had that, that we should nudge people toward the right thing. The I mean, uh, the impl- you could certainly draw that implication, and, and that's in this, and that's the rationale for things like prohibition and for we have to ban smoking. That people have such weak willpower that we have to make the decision for them. We have to pass a law um, forbidding it altogether. The moral that I draw, though, from the willpower research is that you know throughout the 20th century, the whole idea of willpower fell out of favor with you know, and there was an idea that it was this so-called will that there wasn't free will that we're so irrational that that we're guided by all these unconscious irrational impulses that we really need to be guided. And social scientists who tend to be um, liberal and, and tend you know not to want to blame problems on the individual. It's all about the environment, about society. We have to restructure society and set up all these rules and regulations to guide people. But I, uh, the lesson I take from the willpower research, though, is that what's really important is what's inside you and your own capacity and your own responsibility to do that. And you simply can't make laws that, that cover 300 million people very well. I mean, it's going to be a very broad stroke that's going to have all kinds of unintended consequences. So, I mean, there is a point uh, in studying self-control, there is um, a lot of um, use in, in, in using external and using social forces for control. I mean, we all do that. That's what Alcoholics Anonymous is. You go to a group, you get this social support, and it, it makes it easier for you. And one of the things, you know, that in the book Willpower I talk about it is you can outsource control. Instead of getting, instead of having to decide every morning, am I going to work out, you make an appointment with a friend, and so you have to show up. It's not a decision, and, it's, and that makes it easier. So I think voluntary things like in a Facebook, you know, group, you can, you can all get together and monitor your progress, and you encourage each other, and there's a pressure. But the idea that the government can do this, I mean, the government, you know, can't, you know, can't deliver the mail well. The idea that it could fine-tune behavior and set up rules that would apply to everyone. I, I mean, I can imagine people in Washington would want to try, but I certainly hope they don't. Or you could get married. <laughs> that seems like a fairly, fairly easy way to outsource a lot of uh, your willpower. <laughs> exactly. Have someone. Well, that's why people. You know, people do like having th- that stuff outsourced. Sure. I mean, I mean, people just do it to personal assistants who suddenly become, you know, their whole schedule is done and. And uh, I mean, after I wrote the thing on decision fatigue, both um, 
uh, uh, Barack Obama and Mark Zuckerberg, you know, both read that and they both made the same decision independently, I think, that they stopped deciding what to put on in the morning. They just wore the same thing every day because uh, it was like one decision that they're going to get rid of. And Obama, in fact, you know, he decided that he, he didn't make choices about meals anymore. He left that to the White House chef or, or maybe to Michelle, I imagine she might have, as you say. So what advice do you have for people? I mean, this, this notion that uh, willpower is resurgent as both a real thing mm-hmm. and a powerful thing. It's almost like a stoic view of your existence within your environment that you take the world as it is and you deal with it. That's Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I mean, it, it, it was the Victorian, I mean, you know, the poem If by Rudyard Kipling, you know, if you can keep, you know, um, holding on when the only thing left in you is the will that says hold on. And, you know, the Victorians get a bad rap today and they were pretty weird about sex and some other things. But they, they had this sense, though, that you really, you know, that that in a world that if you're not going to be, be guided by universal laws of God and by a king or by a noble who tells you everything, that you you do need this inner strength to control yourself. And and I think this willpower research shows that it's there. Um, it, 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 you know, it self-control correlates with every kind of success. I mean, in school, in your career, in your family, it's really the most important virtue. And, and, and interestingly, when, when researchers survey people around the world and ask them, what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, the, the, the number one thing people say that they would like more of is self-control. That's the virtue that people want, that we all feel we don't have enough of. So if willpower is like a muscle that we can develop and and cultivate, what advice do you have for people, simple tricks or simple uh, changes that people can make in order to begin to exercise that muscle? Um, Well, um, um, any repeated act of self-control will strengthen the muscle. They did experiments where where they told um, students to go home for for a couple weeks and just uh, work on their posture whenever they started slouching and sit up. And they, and they weren't expecting this, but they found when they came back a, f- a few weeks later, they had better self-control for all kinds of tasks that had nothing to do with posture. So anything, and I think this is why religions have always had rituals and prayers and and, and acts of self-control that basically build up that willpower muscle. So, I mean, little things you can do, like stuff that, uh, um, opening doors and things with the opposite hand than you usually use. Anything that requires a little bit of effort or trying to speak always in complete sentences or don't, or, or, um, don't use contractions um, um, or don't use obscenities. In fact, in the book we speculate, you know, is that why there's this prohibition on some words that it's kind of a form of self-control you build up? You can't say those words. So all the, I mean, any little act will build it up. I mean, a simpler and quicker way is just eat something. You know, don't make big decisions on an empty stomach, and you have to keep fueling yourself. But probably the biggest thing of all, and, and what researchers found when they tracked people during the day, and, and they knew some people were, were disciplined, very self-disciplined, and some people weren't so disciplined, and they tracked them to see how often they were resisting desires. And they expected to find that really disciplined people had this strong willpower, and they were resisting things all day. And to their surprise, they found that these people had fewer temptations during the day. And they they were kind of surprised at that. And they were using less willpower during the day. And then they realized the reason these people were were so self-disciplined is they structured their lives to conserve willpower. They they avoided temptations. 
They, I mean, if you've got a big project to do, turn off your email notifications. You know, just don't don't tempt yourself with distractions, and you know, don't keep gallons of ice cream in the freezer if you're worried about losing weight. It's just easier to avoid the temptation, conserve the willpower for the big, you know, for the emergencies and for the big decisions. John Tierney is a columnist at the New York Times and co-author of Willpower: Rediscovering the Greatest Human Strength. Learn more about Cato University at our website, cato.org.